Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. The topic that I want to talk about today is that if I know who I am on the inside, then I will overcome. And I need to just repeat this point a few times. If I know who I am on the inside, if I really understand who God says that I am and who God has made me, if I get a picture in my mind of what God says that I am as an overcomer, then I will overcome. Because sometimes we hear these verses. Do you remember I read to you the verses from the seven churches of Revelation? Jesus writes to each of these seven churches and each of them is a different church with different circumstances but to all of them he says to him who overcomes i will give manna a new name uh, the right to rule all these blessings and and to eat from the tree of life and the paradise of god to him who overcomes and he says it to all of these churches and i don't know about you but sometimes i hear those verses and i switch into manual labor mode Instead of, instead of switching into the correct Christian mode, which is reading the Bible like a mirror. Let me explain that to you. When I hear a verse that says, you are an overcomer, and you can overcome, and you must overcome, I can go into manual labor mode, which says, I'm not really an overcomer, but if I try hard enough, I can do it. That's manual labor mode. Has anyone ever been in that mode? I have. Or I can go into mirror mode, which is, James chapter 1 says, when I read the Bible, it's a mirror. But it's not a physical mirror. It's telling me who I really am on the inside. I can go into mirror mode, which says, God says I'm an overcomer. Wow. Is that who I really am? And then I look in the physical mirror, and I see my aging, decaying body. I say, I'm not an overcomer. I'm an undergoer. And then I look at God's word. He says, you're an overcomer. Look at the mirror. Look at God's word. Look at the mirror. Look at God's word. Which one will I believe? Judges chapter 6. God comes to Gideon. A little nobody in a defeated nation. They were under oppression and occupation. And he, he says to him, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, no, you got it wrong. I'm the least of my family. My family are the least of my tribe. My tribe are the least of Israel, and Israel is under oppression from enemies. You've got it wrong. I'm not a mighty man of Elan. God says, you are. And it took a while, but eventually Gideon understood. It's not by might. It's not by power. God does not look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart, and God makes you an overcomer. And therefore, with 300 people... He whittled the army that Gideon had right down to 300. They overcame thousands of the enemy with not even a sword in their hands. They just had a little lamp with a a jar over it and a trumpet in their hands. There's a whole sermon, a whole message in that. But I want to say to you, today's message is this. If you see yourself as you really are, if you can look in the mirror of God's word and say, God, I believe your mirror you will become an overcomer. You can't help but become an overcomer. Have you seen the the advertisement on TV of a little ram 
I think, have you seen the one? I think it's an advert for a car or something, but there's this little ram. He's a tiny little guy, but he's got an attitude that he's strong. And big animals come up to him and he just stands his ground and he looks at them and they back down because he believes he's an overcomer. Isn't it true? I want to say to you that if we get a vision of who God says that we really are, we will do mighty exploits. How do you think all the great heroes of the Bible did great things for God? Was it because they looked in a physical mirror and said, whoa, I'm strong and clever and able? No. Every single one of them, with a couple of exceptions, but most, 95% of the heroes of the Bible were nobodies. Jesus chose 12 disciples from illiterate, poor, excluded people. And throughout the Bible, that is the way that God works. 1 Corinthians 2, God chose the foolish things to confound the wise. But it's not our outward appearance, it's what God says we are on the inside. So I want to I put two scriptures together for you today. The first is in Revelation 3, verse 21. It says, To him who overcomes... I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is speaking to the last of the seven churches. There were seven churches all close to each other in a, in a region of Asia Minor. And Jesus has spoken to each of them. They have various problems and oppositions against them. Let me just tell you a few of the things. There, it mentions persecution, opposition, trials, threats. Some of them have been killed for their faith. Some of them are suffering. Some of them are being tempted by huge immorality even within the church. Some of them need to persevere because it's going on a long time. Some of them have poverty and some of them have spiritual attack by Satan and there are false doctrine and teachers by Jezebel, the Nicolaitans and the teaching of Balaam. They had all of this against them and to every single church, Jesus said to him who overcomes. And when Jesus says to him who overcomes, he's offering the help and the ability to overcome. What do we have against us that compares with them? Let's just be honest. Out of all the generations of human history, we are the wealthiest, the healthiest, the happiest, the safest. Did you know that? If you compared your wealth to a king 200 years ago, he would be envious of you. Is that not true? If you compared your safety, the fact that you can walk down the street without fear, to anyone else in history, they would be envious of you. We have very little to overcome, but the last church of the seven, the church of Laodicea, Jesus says to them, you think that you're rich? You think that you can see clearly? You think that you are wonderful and spiritual, and I want to tell you, repent because you're lukewarm. But then he says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit on my throne as I overcame and sat on my father's throne. And so I believe the church in Laodicea is similar to the modern church. 
We think we're great. We think we're super. But Jesus says, are you really on fire? Are you lukewarm? Are you on fire? But then he says, you can overcome. And so when I hear that, I think, yes, Lord, I can overcome. I can even overcome apathy and lukewarmness and comfortableness, comfortable Christianity and just being mediocre. I can overcome that. I can become on fire for God. Can you? Folks, I need you to, I need you to buy into this. I really do. I need you to buy into this. I need you to say, yes, God. Yes, I can, Lord. You know, the promised land, I will get back to my point. I promise you I will, but I just need to say this. The promised land in the Old Testament was something that God had promised to the Israelites from years before, but it took them over 40 years to get into it. But for over 40 years, God had been promising them, there's this land, I've got it for you, I've bought it for you, I've won it for you, you just need to go into it. But the majority of them did not believe. The majority of them said, we can't overcome. Do you remember when the spies, the 12 spies went into the land and they saw how beautiful the land was, but 10 of the spies said, there are giants in the land. At the end of Numbers 13, they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we appeared the same to them. How did they know how they looked to them? They were like grasshoppers in their own eyes because God said, you can, I've given you this. But they said, oh, I don't know if I can. I, I, I think I'm not an overcomer. They were looking at the physical mirror instead of God's mirror. And as a result, they didn't go in. But Caleb and Joshua, two of the 12 spies said, we can do it. We are well able. And God says in Numbers 14, Caleb has a different spirit and he will enter. It's the most amazing passage of scripture and the reason I'm saying that is because those promises are available to you Hebrews chapter 4 said the promise of entering God's rest still stands they didn't enter God's rest because they didn't mix the promises with faith but we can enter into God's rest if we mix them with faith and that's why I say we need when we hear God saying this we need to buy in it's not enough to just sit back and say oh interesting hmm how oh, fascinating. What a lovely theory. No. Yes, Lord, it's, it's for me. There's got to be a bit, of, a bit of something from my side. I leap forward and I grab it and I say yes. So the first scripture is, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat with my father on his throne. How did Jesus overcome? He overcame the devil. And Colossians 2 verse 15 says that when Jesus died on the cross, he was triumphing over the devil. He was making a public spectacle of the devil and he was taking away the devil's power. It says he disarmed the powers and the principalities. That's how Jesus overcame. He overcame the devil, he died on the cross and then he rose again victorious. In fact, Ephesians chapter two, let me just read it to you. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is praying for us, for you and me. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and then this verse will come up on the screen. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? So Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts, not the eyes that look in a physical mirror, the eyes that look in God's words mirror, he says, I'm praying the eyes of your hearts would be open, that you would see the exceeding greatness of God's power towards us who believe. I'm praying this right now, right now. I'm praying the eyes of your heart and my heart are opened, that as I read the next few verses, you will see the exceeding greatness of God's power that is for you, if you believe. He says that power is like the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. And I want you to imagine, he's going to describe the working of God's mighty power, which he worked in Christ. He says in verse 20, when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So he says the power that's available to us is like the power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Have you ever seen on a TV show, or maybe you've seen it in real life, where somebody uses those paddles and they bring someone back from the dead? Have you seen that? They get the paddles, they rub them together, they say, clear, and they go, doo -doo, and power goes into that person, and their heart starts again. Have you seen that? I want to say to you that that power is a little picture but a very small picture of the power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. Why? Number one, Jesus had been dead for three days. You can't use paddles on someone who's been dead for three days. Number two, when he rose again, he didn't have his same physical body. He had a supernatural spiritual body. He could walk through walls. Number three, he rose again. That power was so great, it says, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. It wasn't just now walking around planet Earth anymore. He now had an elevated supernatural position of power in the heavenly places where it says all things far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come he put all things under his feet gave him to be head over all things it was such a powerful thing that it raised him from the dead to upright and then right up to heaven to great power and authority forever in the age to come and over every name that can be named you name a name Jesus is above it and the power is forever and he's seated in heaven but now but now listen to this. You see, there's a chapter break, so we often don't read on. Chapter 2, verse 1. And as for you, he made you alive who were dead in trans, trans, trespasses and sins. He says just the same. He's trying to show Jesus was dead, a dead, cold, lifeless lump of flesh. Power, supernatural power, came in and raised him and lifted him and put him where he should be. 
He says, and you, you were dead in trespasses and sins, just as dead as Jesus was lying in the tomb. When you were living away from God, you were dead to God, and God made you alive in him. Verse 5, even when we were dead in, trans in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm putting two scriptures together here, but it's important that you see it. In Revelation 3, he says to the lukewarm church, in Laodicea, if you overcome your circumstances, your opposition, your lukewarmness, your problems, whatever it is, you will sit with me on a throne in heaven as I overcame and sit with my Father in heaven. There's intimacy, there's love, there's forgiveness, there's communication, there's acceptance, there's joy, there's no more tears, there's no more crying, there's authority and power. We've overcome the problems of this world but then in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, Paul says, you have already been put there when God put his power in you, in your spirit. Not the physical mirror you, but the inside you has already been raised with Christ and seated in heavenly places. Man. You see the difference between an overcoming Christian and an undergoing Christian is simply this. The one looks at the physical circumstances around them in the world and says, I can't overcome that because we can't. The other one looks at what God has done on the inside already through his power in Christ and says, I still live in this physical world, but he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Whew, I don't know. I don't know if we're getting this. I mean, Adam did such a good job last week trying to explain this. And I, I feel like we're just saying the same thing again and again and again. But it's important that we get it. Why is it important? Because if we don't get it, if we don't get it, we are undergoing. We are just maintaining. We are we're just receiving things that are happening to us. But if we get it, we can change the world. You know, the heroes of Hebrews 11, it goes through all of them, and what they did and how they overcame and how they changed the world, and all of them were weak, frail humans, just like you and me, but they saw something invisible, and they said, with God we can. And you and I can do it as well. <laughs> you see, the difference is faith. We, we sometimes fall in this in-between place where we say, okay, I'm not going to look at the physical, but I'm struggling to believe this about me. If God would just do a miracle, give me a word, give me a goosebump, give me a feeling, maybe then I'd believe it. But that's not faith. The difference is saying, faith, God, I believe your word. I'm looking in the mirror of your word and I believe it whether I feel it or not. Whether my circumstances seem to have changed or not. Whether others believe it or not. God, I'm trusting your word. And those are the ones that overcome. 1 John 5 verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. We look at God's word and we say, yes, Lord, I am that thing. So let me tell you what the Bible says you are like on the inside of you. 
We've just read it says you are seated. You know, being seated on a throne speaks of rest. It speaks of I've finished all the working that I had to do to get to this place. It speaks of um, wealth and strength and power, unassailable. A throne is normally lifted high. I'm unassailable. And I'm seated with Christ, which speaks of intimacy and closeness. There's nothing between me and Jesus. And it speaks of authority and power. Everything is under our feet. That's who you are in Christ. But the Bible also says that you are pure. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are pure on the inside, seated on a throne, forgiven, empowered. You have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2 says. You know all things, 1 John says. You are one with God. 1 Corinthians 6 says your spirit and his spirit are one spirit. He who has joined himself with the Lord is one spirit with him. That's you on the inside. That's what the, spirit, the spiritual mirror of God's word says. That's what it says you and I are. And as we see that, as we get a vision of it, as we look in that mirror every day, this other mirror is still there, but it becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And actually, the picture in this mirror can change. I've seen healings happen in my life and in my family and many other people because we looked at this mirror and said, God says something. Wow, I look back in this mirror. Wow, that pain's no longer there. That, that disability is gone. That problem is gone. That emotional problem is, has disappeared. That relationship issue is gone. And then we start to extend it. We look in this mirror and he says, you can overcome the world around you, your society, your workplace, your friends, your family, uh, the, the nation. You can impact the world through this power that's inside of you. And I look in this mirror long enough and I start to speak and act and every place where the foot of my, sole of my foot treads, the Lord has given it to us. And we start to change the world, but it's not gonna happen if we look at the physical mirror. It's only gonna happen when we look at God's word, what God says we are. So in conclusion, friends, Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, if you overcome, you'll sit with me on a throne. Just like I sat on a throne with my father. But in Ephesians 2, God says, just like Jesus was raised, that power that raised him from the dead and seated him, you have already been raised. You've al it's already happened. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 says, we are more than conquerors. And it lists all the things we conquer us over, height or depth, angels or demons, present or future, uh, trials, hunger, problems. He says, we're more than conquerors. How? Because of the glory that's inside of us. There's something inside of you that is supernatural. And the difference between the overcomer and the undergoer is the overcomer looks at who they are. 
They get a sense of identity that says, I am not what the world says I am. I am not what the mirror says that I am. I'm what God's word says that I am. And as we renew our minds, and as we stand in that place of identity and say, yes, thank you, God, the world around us gets changed and we are changed. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and pray right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Friends, I said that we need to take a step forward and grasp this. I'm going to ask you to grasp this by faith today. I'm going to ask you to say, yes, Lord, I am what you say that I am. Yes, Lord, I have what you say I have. Yes, Lord, I can do what you say I can do. Your word is true, Lord, even though the evidence of my senses tells me different. Your word is true. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I pray, Lord, for us as a family of Christians, that you would make us more and more into this overcoming strong army that can change the world around us. And I pray right now, Lord, for your Spirit's power to meet with our faith and with our willingness. We want to mix your promises with faith right now. And I pray, Lord, for your power to touch each person. Just be ready where you are, where you're standing right now. Just be ready. And as your faith rises up and you reach out and you say, yes, God, I'm grasping this, God's power comes and meets you there and touches you. And he changes you. Desires within you will change. Habits will be broken. You'll find new abilities and giftings rising up within you. You can do all things through Christ. You will overcome that guilt that's been nagging at you for years. That sense of inferiority will leave you. You will sense that God is great and God is doing great things. And I thank you, Lord, for your spirit touching us today. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.